Good Vista. This is a bonus episode. I'm Ben, and I'm here in beautiful Mackay, Queensland. I'm uh, experiencing the incredible delights of mm-hmm. the Blue Water Lagoon, the Blue Water Trail, Caneland Central Shopping Centre, <laughs> the Orchid Display House, Slade Point. Uh, the Mackay, Slade Point. The Slade Point. <laughs> Mackay Regional Botanic Gardens. Mackay Visitor Information Centre. Oh, it's all happening. Oh, and over there at Dolphin Heads, it's Theo. Hello, Theo. Hey, how are you? I'm great. I'm so glad to be in all of the all of the places that I know in Mackay. The Goose Ponds. The Goose Ponds. Oh. The Dudley Denny City Library. <laughs> I, I I literally lived like a hundred meters away from the goose ponds. Tell me about them. What's there? Uh, um, so it's sort of a big like uh, creek, but mm-hmm. still doesn't. Sounds, move. Like, sounds like someone's in the pocket of Big Creek. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and there's uh, lots of geese there. Well, that sounds like a riveting time. So, and there's other stuff in Mackay too. As yep. you can probably imagine. Oh, certainly. Uh, did I already say Mackay Aqua Park? No, actually, you didn't. That's the uh, that's the thing they built um, where you hold onto uh, ski like what do you call the handles on a on a water s- ski? The, the tow rope. Tow rope. I think. Yeah, Is that what you and call it's it? like an electric tow rope that takes you around in circles. Oh, that sounds dope. That's in uh, downtown Beaconsfield. But it, we all know it's got nothing on Lambert's Lookout, which is where Andrew is. Hello, Andrew. I'm here at Lambert's Lookout. You are enjoying the sights. Um, enjoy. I'm looking forward to going to the Botanical Gardens later mm-hmm. and getting mad. Um, my wife lots of, watches a lot of gardening shows. She watches like uh, Gardening Australia and gardening other places. And um, I get really mad every time that they're looking at somebody's garden and they're like, yeah, here's all the stuff that I grew, blah, blah, blah. Look at my big lush garden and I'm in Queensland. And I'm like, well, fuck off. Nothing impressive about anything you've grown in that case because you can't stop stuff from growing there. I I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. We're, we're very prone to drought. It's very, very hot here. Very limited window in which you can grow a lot of things. Very hard to, to grow coriander. Yeah, that's the big one. Yeah. It's very hard to grow coriander. Is mm. that what you're telling me? Yeah. Why, is it, why is it hard? Because it's too hot. It wilts. Too, it's simply too hot and moist for the plants I'm trying to grow. <laughs> you got to get a bloody <laughs> aircon unit for your plants. Oh. They're just like, oh, you know, here I am growing all my plants in the subtropics. And I'm like, fucking turn it off. <laughs> Fuck you. What a specific gripe to have. It is. Very strange it is. They're rubbing it in my face, rubbing their climate in my face. All that rich, moist dirt. And I've got a bloody mouthful of it. You know? Uh, Pricks. Mm-hmm. Oh. So anyway, uh, here I am up at the lookout. Yep. Um, I've, put my, <laughs> I've put my coin into the coin-operated binoculars. I don't think they... Oh, there's nothing up there. Mm. <laughs> Nor is there anything to look at. I mean, if you're lucky, between um, is it October to June, oh, might you might see talk- some migrating whales. About- oh no, I thought I thought you were talking about uh, um, box jellyfish season. 
Oh, you're a kanji season. You're a kanji. They'll get you. They will get you. That's if like you how... go in the water, which I didn't. <laughs> that was a good call. 19 years. <laughs> and uh, also like still true to today. You ever come to the beach with us before? No, I don't think I'll go to the beach. I'll go to the I'll go to the beach with you, bro. Oh, it sounds like you're talking a big game. I'm you don't seem like a big beach guy to me. No, that. I'm certainly not not uh, big or into beaches. Are you um Are you like me? And each trip to the beach involves uh, arriving and immediately starting the countdown to when you can leave the beach. <laughs> Absolutely, when I could go home to my uh, <laughs> devices. You people are absolute when... fucking perverts. When can I get this fucking sand off me? That's my deal. Yeah. Um, oh. So I, I, uh, I, I will freeze in the in the subtropical waters mm-hmm. of uh, of Mackay <laughs> or the Gold Coast. I got got no body fat whatsoever to speak of. Oh. So I've got about a six week window when the water is the right temperature for me to go in there. And you will also burn. Well, that's right. That also crisp. overlaps with yep. the time that the sun is the wrong temperature for me to go in there. <laughs> oh, Theo's out there in his burkini. Just it's the only safe thing to do. It's true. That's that's got some serious sun coverage, and that's a smart thing to do in Australia. Oh, up here at the lookout, taking in all of the what is that? I believe it's the sound of nature. Here we are in Nature Corner, which, as I understand it, is located up the top of some bullshit hill in Mackay. I mean, that seems unnecessarily mean. We were sort of keeping the meanness implied, and you've just <laughs> gone out and called Mackay shit. <laughs> this, I... is, this is just around the, the corner from bloody Kathy Freeman Oval. <laughs> wow. You know what? That wasn't actually on the uh, list of... Uh, well, I guess it doesn't really count as... A... There's a little. Uh, there's a little concrete... Like Besser Block building there, um, next to the Oval, um, where we would do the land parties. Oh my god, fucking god! What were you playing on there? Fuck it. Oh, that was. I mean, it was a bit of Half Life Two. No, no, this is pre Half Life Two. I think Half Life One, Unreal Tournament. No, no, yeah, a bit of Unreal Tournament. Um, bit of like original COD, like COD One. I know such a thing probably. Uh, it's it's back to just being Call of Duty again. It's yeah, I know. I've run I know. Out of names. A, yeah, <laughs> no, this is this is the the first one, the very first one. Uh, now, if I'm to understand correctly, uh, you guys recorded an episode of the show without me recently. I wasn't made aware that it was happening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's basically it's happened in private and been released to the public. Very I feel upset. like this narrative is almost the opposite of what happened. But yeah, I mean, I would probably put out here at this point that I would ask for. Um, forgiveness, not permission, but we all know that that's simply not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I understand some kind of dialogue about bees was entered into. Could you explain this to me and anybody who didn't listen to that episode on account of not wanting to betray me, Andrew? Wow. Uh... I mean, first of all, 
I don't think it's a betrayal exist. if they didn't know about this, so that's fine. Uh, so we talked about bees, and we talked about them being uh, very small bastards that are trying to take over. Where was that story? Uh, I feel like was it was in the, in the the American South. Oh, was it the uh, was it the ones that had moved in? There were like a hundred thousand of there them. There was one hundred thousand bees. It was exactly one hundred thousand bees. Yeah, the man counted them <laughs> on the way out. On the way out, each uh, one of them going past through his like um, his vacuum tube that is the yes, width of his, one bee. His modified <laughs> shop vac. I did like that it was a modified shop vac that implied that it wasn't like just a shop vac. It's not a regular shop vac. It's a modified shop vac. Yeah, it's, for it's the not. Bees. It's not a regular shop vac. The tube is longer. Like, um, that was very fun to me. That aspect of the story. But um, I like to picture it being the same as like, you know, the fish tube that they were using. To oh, send? absolutely. Oh, no yeah. one ever forgets the fish tube. Like that, but with individual bees passing through one <laughs> at a time. <laughs> It'd be quite easy to have a bee counter there, wouldn't it? Have a little laser. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, maybe like one of those little, you know, the things they put on the roads to measure people going past, rolling yeah. over the tires, you know. The little ba-bump things. Ba-bump, yeah. ba-bump. Yeah. The ba-bumps. So, um... Well, so apparently there was. You, I, I guess what I was saying is there was a lot of bee criticism leveled. I think it's been said that we talk smack about some bees, which I don't know if that's necessarily true. But uh, no, I, f- I felt like we were kind of. I feel like there's no heroes in this story. No, except the guy raising his own memories of uh, <laughs> several times he's been hounded by bees. I he think is the, the hero. I, I think the hero of the story was the bee removal man. Because um, he removed the bees and he has a neighbor who he gives the bees to. He gives. Because <laughs> he has a bunch of hives and he just goes over and puts his shop back on reverse and spits all the bees out into his hives. Um, and then he also collects all the honey. Yeah. But, and they but are everyone the had of... too much honey. The, there was too much like, the honeycomb ar- the around. The artisanal so place had, to put had it all in too a big much. Ditch. <laughs> well, they, they just dump it in a big pile and they let the bees have it. And that's, that's sustainability, baby. I mean, that's a very human-centric view of what happened there. I think if you were one of the bees, one of the 100,000 bees in the house, this man would not be a hero to you. He would be your destroyer. Yeah, but I'm not one of those fucking pricks. So Wow. Okay, well, this is why, uh, listener to the show, Alex, dear friend, uh, he, he keeps his own bees in Sydney, and he decided it was only fair if the bees got a right of reply, and we said, you know what? Absolutely. Uh, so this is... Some bees, not the relocated bees, uh, having having a chance to express their own opinions on the story. This is this is a statement from some Sydney-based bees. Testing one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I can't believe that bee speaks English. That's incredible.
Very interesting stuff there. And fair enough. I, I will say, uh, <laughs> Theo, when you and I were talking about the story, how he was saying that the most audible sound was uh, the bees bumping their little bottoms into the walls. Yep. It sounded like you could quite audibly I hear bees hitting got the microphone. Flavor of then. That. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. And now I, you know. I would make a point, though, as mm. well, which is. Um, you know, Alex has has offered this recording of his bees in defense of bee behavior, uh, but I would counter behavior. I would I would counter that Alex is a bee slaver. Well, I mean, I think he's kind of more in a like a symbiotic relationship with the bees. He uh, gives so them he, he, yeah. He gives them um, not death, and they give him honey. Do you have to put anything into your beehive? I don't, I don't think I don't think so. We don't put anything in ours. God, my wife would be so happy if I got a beehive. Maybe he like intentionally cultivates flowers for them to pollinate and such. You know, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know the whole story. I'm not just going to go around calling someone a slaver. We don't know the whole story, so we should probably listen to the rest of the half hour. All right, here of, we go. <laughs> Buckle in. Uh, that um, will be available as a bonus episode. Um, so true. keep an eye out for that. We will we will give you the entire half hour long Sydney based B recording as a, a nice little little ambient vibe. For you I really to like to. that you are quite specifically stating each time that they're based in Sydney, just to make sure everyone knows what the situation is. We're not mi- misrepresenting the bees' location. Well, these are Melbourne bees. If anybody's translating anything they're saying and it fucking sucks, oh, we, yeah. then we know. You know, we know what's up. Now, on the topic of bees, which has already been occupying quite a bit of our time, mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> we take you now to a story from Futurity. I don't know how I feel about that as a title. So, the name of like a magazine? Is that... I believe it's the name of a magazine, yes. Futurity. 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 Which is a bit like um, futility, but... With future in it instead, you know? It does have some of the same letters, that's true. Yeah, it's it's 100% <laughs> not a word, as far as I know. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they are here to tell us that apparently when pollen is scarce, bees stab plants to speed up flowering, further reinforcing the idea that they are a bunch of pricks. <laughs> I don't know, don't know if that's the takeaway. Okay, well, you uh, please deliver us the takeaway. Go for it. Wow. Uh, Pressure's uh, on. I mean, that's. Was it just because I questioned you that now I have to read the article? Is that how this is operating? You handing out punishment when your word is challenged? Let me clarify this for you. Yes. Okay, great. In some areas of the world, spring has sprung earlier than ever before this year, accompanied by temperatures more typical of early summertime. Many plants were already in full bloom by mid April. Hold, three- hold on, hold on, hold on. Can you just give me that first sentence again? Hmm. Go on. In some areas of the world, spring has sprung earlier than ever. (laughs) 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 Fuck off. (laughs) How long have you had. This is the worst show of all time. A spring noise, a fucking boing (laughs) on your fucking soundboard for before you ever got to use it. Spring has sprung? Oh, I felt a missed opportunity there. Okay, go on. (sighs) 
These types of seasonal anomalies are becoming increasingly frequent due to climate change, and the resulting uncertainty threatens to disrupt the timing of mutualistic relationships between plants and their insect pollinators. Researchers have now discovered that one peculiar bumblebee behaviour may help to overcome such challenges by facilitating coordination between the bees and the plants they pollinate. The researchers found that bumblebee workers use their mouth parts to pinch into the leaves of plants that haven't flowered yet, and that the resulting damage stimulates the production of new flowers that bloom earlier than those on plants that haven't received this, quote, nudge. So they're actually answering the question, what that mouth do? (laughs) (laughs) Previous work has shown that various kinds of stress can induce plants to flower, but the role of bee-inflicted damage in accelerating flower production was unexpected, says Mark Mesher, a professor in the Environmental System Sciences Department at ETH Zurich. The researchers first noticed the behavior during other experiments by one of the authors. Oh, no. Uh, Fatani Pashalidu? <laughs> so, uh, uh, hmm? so give me that again? Nope. Uh, pollinators were biting the leaves of test plants in the greenhouse. On further investigation, we found that others had also observed such behaviors, but no one had explored what the bees were doing to the plants or reported an effect on flower production, Mesher explains. Following up on their observations... The researchers devised several new laboratory experiments and also conducted outdoor studies using commercially available bumblebee colonies, typically sold for the pollination of agricultural crops and a variety of plant species. Based on their lab studies, the researchers were able to show that the bumblebee's propensity to damage leaves has a strong correlation with the amount of pollen they can obtain. Bees damage leaves much more frequently when there is little or no pollen available to them. So, what you're saying to me is that bees are the debt collector of the animal kingdom. <laughs> you reckon this is like a, where's our friggin' pollen coming around is, and then this is, smashing this is the like, legs? This is like the, the, the level of kneecaps getting busted increases drastically when money is not available to the debt collector. I think this is exactly the same as that. And weirdly, yeah. uh, when you start smashing kneecaps, money starts appearing. It do. It do. They uh, also found that damage inflicted on plant leaves had dramatic effects on flowering time in two different plant species. Tomato plants subjected to bumblebee biting flowered up to 30 (laughs) days earlier than those not targeted, while mustard plants flowered about 14 days earlier when bees damaged them. I just want to say that bumblebee biting is a wonderful little phrase. I... It does sound quite violent, the way this is being Mm. described. Like, I am starting to be like, hey, no, tomato plants... You don't have to do what they tell you to do. This seems mean. Hey, give me a break, guys. You know, uh, The bee damage had a dramatic influence on the flowering of the plants, one that has never been described before, says Consuelo de Moraes, also a professor in the Environmental S- System Sciences Department. She also suggests that the developmental stage of the plant, when bumblebees bite it, may influence the degree to which flowering accelerates, a factor that investigators plan to explore in future work. Uh, the researchers tried to manually replicate the damage patterns caused by bees to see if they could reproduce the effect on flowering time, but while this manipulation did lead to somewhat earlier flowering in both plant species, the effect was not nearly as strong as that caused by the bees themselves. Uh, this leads to Marais to suggest that the chemical that, that some chemical or other cue may also be involved. So this is pretty wild that the bees a can do this and also can do it better than people can. Seems pretty fucking cool. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't tried yet. Oh, I feel oh, like Andrew's sorry. not on board with the bees yet. <laughs> you're saying, 
you're it's not that you're unsure that they can do it better than people generally. You're unsure that they can do it better than you. Better than me specifically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's now you're getting it. So you're you're seeing the bees do this and you're thinking, ah, I could do better than that. Yeah, you're if like I was if I was biting that flower. If I was biting that flower, who knows what would happen? You're like yeah. someone's dad walking yes. around a modern art museum. <laughs> oh, I yes. could bloody do that. Oh, it's just some bloody stripes. I could put some stripes on something. Too what easy. Is, have you ever seen the documentary My Kid Could Paint That? No. Fascinating. It's um it's one of those documentaries that had the rare fortune of a thing like a drastic thing happening while they were in the middle of filming it. Um, so it was about a person who had like, you know, maybe five, six year old kid um, who was doing this like abstract modern expressionism type paintings. Um, and they were selling them to galleries and saying, isn't it amazing that a child could do this? Um, and while they're talking to this guy during the movie, he's like, yeah, I was an artist when I was younger and my career never really took off. And you're like, huh. And um, over the course of the movie, it starts to kind of unravel and people start to say, we think you're doing the paintings. And uh, shit gets very, very weird. So I recommend the documentary. Huh. My kid could paint that. Hmm. Much like I could paint paint these flowers with my mouth by paint i mean by <laughs> sure i thought you meant like that uh the lady who she was quadriplegic and then started painting by holding the paintbrush in her mouth oh yeah i feel Much like like the movie my left foot starring daniel day lewis i haven't seen it paints no me either I get on that. i gotta watch that movie yeah do you do you though okay uh, so, while we're talking about bees, I thought another thing we could talk about is bees. Uh, Finally! My favourite <laughs> favorite thing, bees. <laughs> Welcome to the All Bee Podcast. I mean, well, we did like an All Gorilla episode once. I reckon we could do it again. <laughs> Welcome to but Bee Vista. Fuck, that's quite good, actually. Podcast about bees. <laughs> uh, so, we know that bees can manipulate the environment around them to their own ends. Uh, but what else could they do? That's it. <laughs> That's that, the end of the list. It's Have a good honey. night, everyone. That and honey. It's the main uh, things. This is a story from uh, the publication New Scientist from back in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, bees are the first insects shown to understand the concept of zero. Huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, bees seem to understand the idea of zero. The first invertebrate shown to do so. When the insects were encouraged to fly towards a platform carrying fewer shapes than another one, they apparently recognized no shapes as a smaller value than some shapes. This Look, this is just another thing that I can do. Okay, you don't have to, like, <laughs> prove that you're smarter than a bee. I, I, I disagree. I think Andrew should be proving that he is smarter than a bee. I gotta have it over someone. Come on. I'm gonna try and set up this oh. same experiment and put you in there and then just see what happens. Oh. Oh, this dumb man keeps going for one instead of zero. It's awful. Uh, zero is not an easy concept to comprehend, even for us. Young children learn the number zero later than other numbers and often have trouble identifying whether it is less than or more than one. Apart from ourselves, some other animals grasp the concept of zero, though. Uh, chimpanzees and monkeys, for instance, have been able to consider zero as a quantity when taught. 
That's true. If you uh, if you say I have no bananas, they do like uh, they put their hands over their eyes and then they fall backwards off their log. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> I feel like your understanding of how monkeys and chimps operate is almost entirely from movies. Maybe. Well, you know. I feel like chimps know the difference between a face and no face. They <laughs> can even demonstrate that to you. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah, they, they know the difference between um, like some prescription drugs and no prescription drugs when you've run out and then they have to quantify the difference between some face and no face. Uh, with their tiny brains, bees may seem an unlikely candidate. <laughs> oh, now, who's, now who's mean to the bees? They're very physically bees. tiny. I don't think they're calling them dumb. Uh, bees may seem an unlikely candidate to join the Zero Club. That sounds like a club you join when you die at zero. But... Die at birth, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but they have surprisingly well-developed number skills. A previous study found that they can count to four. Uh, to see whether honeybees are able to understand zero, Scarlett Howard at RMIT University in Melbourne, I feel like I would have just said RMIT there, uh, and her colleagues first trained bees to differentiate between two numbers. They set up two platforms, each with between one and four shapes on it. On one platform, bees were given a sweet sucrose solution, and on the other, a nasty-tasting... Is that quinine, we reckon? Quinine. Quinine? Sure, solution. Quinine. I'm going to say quinine. I'm not going to say that. Previous research has found that bees learn more quickly if they're not merely rewarded for correct choices, but also punished for wrong ones. (laughs) Actively punished. I hit it on the nose of the tiny little newspaper. (laughs) The littlest swat you've ever seen. Uh, Bees learn more quickly if you smack them on their little bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) Then Uh, they die. The researchers tried to... (laughs) Trade the bees to associate a platform that had fewer shapes on it with the sweet reward. Until they made the right choice 80% of the time. The bees were put through further tests with differently shaped objects to confirm that they were responding to the number of shapes and not their appearance. Next, when given a choice between two or three shapes and zero shapes, bees picked zero most of the time. In the second experiment, other bees were trained in the same way, but this time they had to choose to land on a platform with either zero or between one and six objects. They consistently chose zero, but were less accurate and took more time when the other option was one rather than six objects. Hmm. The fact that the numerical distance between the two quantities on offer seemed to affect how challenging the bees found the problem provides further evidence that the bees conceive zero as a number, Howard told the Behaviour Conference in Estoril, Portugal, this week. Oh, I've got to go to Portugal and talk about how many numbers bees know. (laughs) (laughs) Just say you're having an affair. Just, just say No, but they know zero. Just say it. Say you're having an affair. Whatever. <laughs> just caught on the spot like, where um, have you been? Bees. Bees know the number zero. I'm teaching bees rudimentary maths. I'm sleeping on the couch again, aren't I? <laughs> uh, these last two paragraphs are the kicker for me. Um such experiments suggest that bees' comprehension of zero is similar to that of some humans and primates, she said. But it's some unclear- humans, the some, real fucking dumb humans. ones. Yeah. But it's unclear why they have this ability. We still have some things to figure out about why they can do this. <laughs> Checking if they have a tidy earpiece in, maybe. <laughs> uh, few a, attempts a, a, of- a microscopic clipboard. <laughs> they're cheating. They're looking at their little palms. All six of them. <laughs> Uh, few attempts have been made to test whether animals other than primates can recognise zero as a number, says Susan Healy at the University of St Andrews. The notion that an invertebrate did it would overturn the books quite a lot. 
It's a uh, pretty I'm depressing. Throw, throw away all my B textbooks. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Forget everything you ever knew about whether bees know what zero is. <laughs> all right, I, so that's that's I, pretty crazy, right? Yeah, and I I just have to stop learning new things about animals. I think because they're all like, "Hey, did you know that um, you know, monkeys have like quantifiably have a soul?" <laughs> every, everything everything now is just like oh clams appreciate poetry and uh, we found a lemur that had read Kant yeah <laughs> give it an opportunity Rattlesnakes will write the most beautiful sonnet you've ever heard did you know that all meerkats hold hands and cry as a eulogy is read at their friend's funeral it's <laughs> like I need to know all this. I'm trying to. I'm trying to eat them here. You know? <laughs> I'm trying to eat meerkats, and this is ruining it for me. I'd, come on, I'd eat a meerkat. I like, don't think I would eat a meerkat. It's a rodent. A, give it a little go. Come on. No, they got to be. There's got to be some kind of shot they can give me afterwards. <laughs> Just to make sure everything's <laughs> fine. Yeah, douse me in like flea powder or whatever. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, it's just. Like, it's bad enough when they're like, by the way, all the trees feel pain and the weeds cry when you trim them. And and also, all of the animals have deep, deep familial relationships. And so like, what, are, what, am I, what am I supposed to be doing here? So your issue isn't so much with the state of the natural world, it's that you keep finding out more about it the way yes. that it is. Yes, that's 100% my problem. You're uh you're looking at the the shadows on the cave wall, and someone keeps asking you to turn around, and you're saying "fuck off." I'm saying no. I'm trying to look at these shadows, bro. I'm loving these shadows. These are dope. Oh, these shadows are taking up most of my concentration. <laughs> God Almighty. Uh, yeah, no, you just you just keep learning things, and they're all like, "I better stop learning some of this stuff because it's starting to get upsetting." And then and then you're like, "Oh, I guess I better go." I better go vegan. And then they're like, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. All the plants can feel everything that you're doing. And also, uh, if you eat too much quinoa, you're going to destroy that South American village. And There's nothing to feel good about. That's all I'm saying. And that's why the only thing you can eat is the delicious taste of Soylent. This episode <sighs> is brought to you by Soylent. Every serve of Soylent contains one quarter of your daily allotment of Soylent. <laughs> fucking so- Soylent. Soylent is 90% Soylent, 10% ice-cold Soylent. Uh, made up of a uh, renewable source, uh, 20% bee paste. <laughs> you know? Soylent, it's matter. <laughs> Soylent, it's what you're drinking. It's not a gas. <laughs> So we've learned that uh, bees manipulate their environment to suit their needs. Uh, They can understand abstract mathematical concepts like zero. How much worse can it get, get, you ask? I ask you. Don't worry. We're killing them all with our 5G towers. And that will sort the problem out. Well, maybe. Unless they can outsmart the 5G. So this is another press release from RMIT. Uh, This is from February last year. Bees have brains for basic maths, according to a study. So, 
researchers have found bees can do basic mathematics in a discovery that expands our understanding of the relationship between brain size and brain power. Uh, this feels explicitly like a retort at the tidy brain part from before. Uh, <laughs> Little brains can go all the way up to four. Uh, Which, building... again, I can do. <laughs> okay, you don't need to brag. You're, it's fine. You're smarter than a bee, maybe. Uh, <laughs> oh, building on their I didn't know that... we were qualifying me being smarter than a bee now. Okay. I, I'm adding forward sizzle for the... This just gets worse. Uh, building on their finding that honeybees can understand the concept of zero, Australian and French researchers set out to test whether bees could perform arithmetic operations like addition and subtraction. Solving maths problems requires a sophisticated level of cognition involving the complex mental management of numbers, long-term rules, and short-term working memory. The revelation that even the miniature brain of a honeybee, again, does sound quite mean, uh, can grasp basic mathematical operations has implications for the future development of artificial intelligence. Does it? I, that was my thought as well. So all of these stories are framed around the researchers' implications in AI. And Why every is time it I read always got to be AI, man? Come on. Can't it just and be cool also, that bees can do stuff? Yeah. Yeah. This should be BI, surely. Oh, that... hmm. <laughs> Don't know about all that. <laughs> Uh, led by researchers from RMIT University in Melbourne, Australia, the it's a real study... hive of research activity over there, isn't it? Huh? Why do they? Why do they keep calling it a university? Uh, I think it's because this is an American publication, and well, what else would it be? It's an institute of technology, Theo. I mean, I think that is a university, but it's wrong to call it RMIT University. I think with the university in all caps. Hmm. Oh, well, I went to Cam so the Canberra Institute Wait, no. of Technology. This Are is you from telling me RMIT. That I went to university? Yes. Maybe. I don't maybe. know. Maybe. You're wrong. You're wrong know. because Do you know? because I went down to the university and I said, "What's up?" and they said, oh, 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 "Oh, you should just turn around and go home now." So, I did not go to university on account of my brain that is the size of several bees. <laughs> I mean, this is RMIT calling it RMIT University, so I would like to retract my correction. Well, uh, y yours can stand. Maybe, I don't know. I think they're having a bit of a wank. That's my take. Uh, the new study showed bees can be taught to recognize colors as symbolic representations for addition and subtraction, and that they can use this information to solve arithmetic problems. Oh, so they're I into symbolism now. Mm. Uh, it, you have no idea how crazy this gets. Uh, RMIT's associate professor Adrian Dyer said numerical operations like addition and subtraction are complex because they require two levels of processing. You need to be able to hold the rules around adding and subtracting in your long-term memory while mentally manipulating a set of given numbers in your short-term memory, Dyer said. On top of this, our bees also use their short-term memories to solve arithmetic problems as they learn to recognize plus or minus as abstract concepts rather than being given visual aids. Our findings suggest that advanced numerical cognition may be found much more widely in nature among non-human animals than previously suspected. If maths doesn't require a massive brain, there might also be new ways for us to incorporate interactions of both long-term rules and working memory into designs to improve rapid AI learning of new problems. Uh, yeah. Can't you just so say bees are cool? I, I'm, I'm having trouble here with trying to picture how these experiments took place. Because what if there were a whole bunch of bees in the zone and they were like, I'm pretty sure that bee just went over. <laughs> uh, they test one bee at a time. It's one bee at a time? One bee at a time. I, what they do is they set up these little, uh, I think they describe it in the next one. They set up these like Y-shaped chambers 
where you know there's the correct solution and the bad solution that they're training on or whatever but they start you know at the stem of the y and then they go but it's one b at a time well i'm pretty chilled out so i mainly set up why not chambers hmm well that's very interesting that you do that Here's another Tell us press more release. about the nightmarish facts of the bee. Well, get ready for this. So this is another press release from RMIT uh, about the same group of researchers. It's from June last year. Bees can link symbols to numbers. Uh, we've learned bees can understand zero and do basic <laughs> maths. And now a new study shows their tiny insect brains may be capable of connecting symbols to numbers. I'm enjoying that each one of these press releases, like assumes you have previous knowledge of the RMIT press release extended universe. I mean, it is a dream <laughs> if you're just reading these back to back. Yeah. Remember that bees can understand zero and do basic maths. I, I do remember that from several minutes ago. <laughs> Although if you're coming in blind, it's like um, you thought that bees understanding zero was a trip. Get ready for this. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. Huh? I've got some processing to do. Uh, researchers have trained honeybees to match a character to a specific quantity, revealing that they are able to learn that a symbol represents a numerical amount. It's a finding that sheds new light on how numerical abilities may have evolved over millennia and even opens new possibilities for communication between humans and other species. Awesome. Uh, the discovery from the same Australian-French team that found bees get the concept <laughs> of zero and can do simple arithmetic also points to new approaches for bio-inspired computing, blah, 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 fuck off. Uh... The RMIT University-led study is published today in Proceedings of the Royal Society B. <laughs> now, that's the letter B, but imagine if I said it like this. Uh, the RMIT University-led study is published today in Proceedings of the Royal Society B. I'm just going to say this. Okay. I'm going to state All something. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to make a statement on, okay. on my own behalf. I'm not speaking for the rest of the podcast. Thank you very much. I have no interest in being taken into a lab, <laughs> putting a large Doc Brown type helmet with a bunch of conductors onto my skull and being neurologically linked with a bee to find out what the bee is thinking. Okay? <laughs> All right. Okay. Fine. I'm not interested in that. I don't okay. want it to happen. And if somebody tries to put me up to it, maybe as a prank, I'm going to be steamed. All right, we've got it on record that in the event that that was going to happen, you would not like it to happen. They're talking about cross-species communication with a bee here. Just and you're, you're assuming it's through some sort of, like, demolition man sex helmet yeah. uh, yes. but for communicating yes, with a bee. Well, okay, how do you picture it happening? Uh, I don't know. Either the bee starts speaking English or you start buzzing. Oh, boy. Um, maybe it's a maybe it's a hunt for Red October type situation where the bees going and then the camera like oh, kind of goes out of focus and comes back and then into it's like and Alexander wept for he had no more worlds to conquer as it comes back into focus on the bee which is now speaking English. Haven't seen it. Or it could be a um, fucking healthier. Uh, what's that Mel Brooks movie where at the start when they're speaking German he says. Oh, that's enough. We're going to be speaking English for the rest of the movie. It could be a that situation. It could be a that situation. You're right. Mm. Or it could be uh, 
in Futurama, uh, Kif's parents are two swarms of flying insects, mm-hmm. and I think they just modulate the buzzing that they do to replicate human speech. Well, that's a lot like speaking, isn't it? Associate Professor Adrian Dyer said that while humans were the only species to have developed systems to represent numbers, like the Arabic numerals we use each day, the research shows the concept can be grasped by brains far smaller than ours. God. Hey, <laughs> just leave the bees alone. Really hammering that point. You're really starting to bring me around to the bees' side, you know? Uh, we take it for granted once we've learned our numbers as children, but being able to recognize what four represents actually requires a sophisticated level of cognitive ability, Dyer said. Not, Not for, for me. me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about bees that is making everyone so insecure. <laughs> Seriously, fuck those guys. Jesus. Uh, Studies have shown primates and birds can also learn to link symbols with numbers, but this is the first time we've seen this in insects. Now, birds, there's an animal I can respect. Give me a nice corvid uh, figuring out a number system or perhaps uh, volume in a container any day of the week. Is that a thing? Birds determining the volume in a container of something? And they yeah, doing the, yeah. the puzzle from um, like a third of the way into Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yes, that's oh, what. Oh, it's a <laughs> Die Hard with a Vengeance situation. Um, no, you can watch uh, YouTube videos of crows getting presented with like um, like these different tubes with liquid in them, and then objects that they can drop in, and the objects have like a bunch of different qualities to them, like either they sink to the bottom, but Due to their volume, they like force the volume up the up the tube because there's a snack floating on top, and they can't reach in unless they drop the right thing into the water. You know, uh, fascinating. To watch. And yet, you somehow think that's fine, but this is disgusting. Yeah, because uh, those those birds are nice. Because magpies are my friends, and so are crows. Okay, uh, Dyer continues. Humans have over 86 billion neurons in our brains. Bees have less than a million. Leave we're separated alone. <laughs> by over 600 million years of evolution. But mm-hmm. if bees have the capacity to learn something as complex as a human-made symbolic language, this opens up exciting new pathways for future communication across species. I'm not putting the helmet on. You okay, well, I'll put the helmet on. I'd love that. Oh, don't You are not going to like what you see. Why? Okay, what do you think I'm going to see? Do you think this will make me see from the bee's perspective? Uh, I think it's going to reveal something um, completely terrifying and incomprehensible to you. Kind of a Bethulu sort of situation. And moving on. um, (laughs) The bee experiment was conducted by Dr. Scarlett Howard, formerly a PhD (laughs) researcher in the Bio-Inspired Digital Sensing Lab at RMIT, and now a fellow at the Research Centre on Animal Cognition, <laughs> the University of Toulouse, the third, Paul Sabatier, CNRS. In a Y-shaped maze, individual bees were trained to correctly match a character with a number of elements. They were then tested on whether they could apply their new knowledge to match the character to various elements of the same quantity, in the same way that two can represent two bananas, two trees, or two hats. I already knew that. You didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen two bananas and two trees before. But not two hats? 
Uh, well, I'm not really big a hat guy. You know? Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> God. So it turns out... I don't think our brains work real good. <laughs> oh, Bees are more comprehensible to us than we would have thought. You know who isn't comprehensible to us? Whomst? Uh, the people that think buying a USB stick will stop 5G from killing them. Well, have you managed to stop 5G from killing me yet? <laughs> from killing you? <laughs> I don't know. Because it's on its way. Okay? I, can't, I can't prove a counterfactual, unfortunately. Uh, but if you die, we will have known that I failed. Yeah. What if I told you that this rock keeps 5G away? You know? I would you like could to buy be right. a rock. Well, I would purchase it for 339 <laughs> Great Britain, Britain pounds. Oh, yeah, How much is that? How much is that in real dollars? Once Great Britain, twice Great. This is a story. Six hundred twenty-seven AUD. Sorry, thank you very much. This is a story. Sorry, 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 sorry. Just give me that back again. Six hundred and twenty-seven Australian dollars for a USB stick. Well, it's a special one, as you're yeah, about to hear. Yeah, it is, but what's the storage capacity on that bad boy? Oh, well, you'll also hear that. Uh, okay, let's go. Let's I'll go. save that for a twist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is from the BBC. Uh, don't know what that stands for. Not going to look into it. And this is... A big... <laughs> <laughs> go on. Go on. Pulling apart a 339-pound... Uh, anti 5G USB stick. That is, as Theo said, 627 Australian dollars. Uh, try and hold that number in your mind for this story. Just before you go on, can I say one thing? I would love for you to. Scam watch. Thank you so much. Uh, the rollout of the new 5G mobile networks began in the UK only last summer and has not yet reached outside urban areas. Yet across the country, there is already a cottage industry offering protection against the supposed negative health effects, even though they have been dismissed by regulators and mainstream scientists. The 5G BioShield was recommended by a member of Glastonbury Town Council's 5G Advisory Committee, which has called for an inquiry into 5G. One of nine external members, Toby Hall, said, We use this device and find it helpful. Helpful. I provided a link to its website, which described it as a USB key that, quote, provides protection for your home and family thanks to the wearable holographic nanolayer catalyzer, which can be worn or placed near to a smartphone or any other electrical radiation or EMF emitting device. Through a process of quantum oscillation... The 5G BioShield USB key balances and reharmonizes the disturbing frequencies arising from the electric fog induced by devices such as laptops, cordless phones, Wi-Fi, tablets, etc. Oh boy. The uh, oh. the mm-hmm. the disturbing frequencies, what are we talking about? An album by Sleep called Dope Smoker? Hmm. Um, now, Mm -hmm. Ben, are you a fan of the TV show Nathan for You? I have watched a few clips from a few episodes, but never a full episode in my life. Now, number one, can I please implore you to watch all of it? You can implore me all you want. 
Because it goes so much further than that, and it's absolutely incredible. Um, wife of the show, my wife Eleanor and I watch uh, a whole bunch of it. There's four seasons. Um, apparently, part of the reason that it didn't get renewed beyond a fourth season was because um, I think it was Comedy Central were not happy with how long it took Nathan Fielder to produce the show. Um, and that's because when you actually watch the show and you start to consider for even a moment the logistics that must be involved with the things that he has done is just mind-bending. Um, but there was an episode I was watching recently where he had a guy in that he was, you know, into every single time that he requires like people to be involved in one of the schemes that he's doing, he puts an ad on Craigslist and he gets Craigslist people to come and do the thing. And he's talking to a guy who has this thing. It looks like, um, it looks like the remote control of my reverse cycle air conditioner, uh, that is just kind of on the table in front of him. And as they're talking, this guy's kind of, he occasionally picks this thing up and is sort of moving it around. And some, some stage Nathan is like, uh, what's that? And the guy's like, oh, um, this is, uh, this is my wellness meter. And he's like, okay, what does that do? And uh, the guy goes on to explain that it has, it's like a little portable biocharger NG that you can like set a little program on and say, this is how you would like to feel. And it will cast an aura up to about kind of two feet. Oh, so it's like a reverse mood ring. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it will and it will change the way you feel, so you can say this is how I would like to feel and all that sort of stuff. And the um, to me, the sort of true genius of Nathan for you as a show is that he can see a thing like that and ask a very innocuous question about it, and when presented with an answer like, "Well, this USB stick <laughs> through its." through its holographic sticker is warding off the negative effects of 5G can just maintain a completely normal face and say, okay, please tell me more about your magical USB stick. Uh, and that is the reason that everybody should watch Nathan for you. That man's ability to not like break at stuff that he's watching is I think some sort of superpower. There's, there is one episode where, um, it's is it like, the PS one? No, it's uh, on a previous episode. They have had a security guard who could not stop looking at big titty ladies um, in a store that he was doing like a, a scheme with, and they've brought him back for an episode where they try to pitch a reality TV show about this security guard who is like a badass security guard, but his one weakness is big titty ladies. And they do the whole episode, right? And then the last two minutes of the episode, they're driving back from the television studio's office where they have just been turned down from the fully produced pilot that they have presented. And the security guard's in the car and he says, yeah, I guess they just weren't into it. I don't know, maybe I should have put on my Elvis costume or something. <laughs> and just without, without any form of tell whatsoever... Nathan, driving the car, just says, you have an Elvis costume? And he's like, yeah. You want to see me, like, do a dance in it? And he's like, yes. 
And the next shot is Nathan Fielder sitting on a couch in this guy's home as he like breathlessly does does a dance in his full Elvis costume. The show blows my mind because you have to think about everything that happens between every shot that you're seeing. Like he would have had to say to this guy, yes, I would like to see you dance in your Elvis costume. And then they had to go to the guy's house with a film crew and Nathan had to sit on the guy's couch and wait for him in another room to get changed. And then he had to sit through the, I'm assuming, three minute long dance to like all shook up or whatever the fuck. Uh, just to get like five seconds of footage at the end of the show. And that's beautiful, beautiful stuff. The man's commitment to broadcasting is incredible. It's absolutely staggering. And I would um, highly recommend to anybody who is interested in the show to watch all four seasons of it and the season four finale, Finding Francis, which is a 80-minute long episode in which he helps a Bill Gates impersonator from a previous show find a long-lost love from 70 years prior. <laughs> I have actually watched all of that, weirdly. Oh, my God. It's incredible. So, 5G USB sticks <laughs> with holograms on them that fix all your problems, and it can be had for the low, low sum of 670 dollars there. Well, look, it gets even cheaper, because if oh. you buy three of them, and there's Ooh. no reason you wouldn't. There's literally no reason why you wouldn't buy three. It'll cost you about 1780 Australian dollars. 1780 even. Did we establish what the range on these bad boys is? Uh, we will go into that in a second. Okay. Uh, actually, I don't know if they say it in this article, but when I was looking it up, uh, they say it's four meters when plugged in, 20 meters. Uh, sorry, four meters when not plugged in, 20 meters when plugged in. Oh, so when not plugged in and completely unpowered. It still works, yes. That's good to know. Um, but yeah, I'm assuming that like if you want your family to be safe when they're out of the house... Everyone's got to have one. Yeah. Stands to reason. Uh, at first sight, it seems to be just that. A USB key with just 128 megabytes of storage. Where are you even that, buying... That rules. That's like... That's the, the, the final insult, right? That like... It must be... That must be literally the smallest amount of memory you can put on USB key these I days. I feel like you have to go out of your way yes. right now to buy a new 128 yeah, megabyte. It probably, it probably costs more for them to go like, no, no, can you make it smaller than that? Enough I need it that to be it, more useless, please. Yeah, enough uh, that uh, it registers when you put into your computer, but not so much that you could hold like a single JPEG on, on there. I was about to say, I feel like a 128 megabyte USB key would cost the exact same amount as like a 16 gigabyte. USB. For sure. Yes, you know? absolutely. absolutely. Th this must be like a pile of unsold um, chips oh, that, that they're yes. trying to get Slap rid of. Slap a little sticker on it and you're good that's to right. go. So what's God, that's good different stand. between it and a virtually identical, quote, crystal USB key available from various suppliers in Shenzhen, China, for around £5 per key, asks Ken Monroe whose company, Pentest Partners, specializes in taking part consumer electronic products to spot security vulnerabilities. Ah, uh, well, that would be the wearable holographic nano-layer catalyzer, I believe. Uh, yeah, the BBC has phrased that slightly differently. Mm -hmm. The answer appears to be a circular sticker. <laughs> now, we're not 5G quantum experts, but said, looks, said sticker looks remarkably like one available in sheets from stationary suppliers for less than a penny each, he says. 
Mr. Monroe proceeded to dismantle the USB key to find out if there were any whiz-bang electronics inside. But all he found was an LED light on the circuit board, mm. similar to those on any other USB key. A search in Such company's house scam. shows the two directors at BioShield Distribution are, oh Christ, Anna Krochowalska and Valerio Legeza. <laughs> Both of them appear to have been involved previously in a business called Immortalis, which <laughs> sells a dietary supplement <laughs> called Clotho Formula. <laughs> Okay. It's website. Got to have my Clotho formula. <laughs> its website, rather similar in design to that of the BioShield, says Clotho formula uses a proprietary procedure that leads to relativistic time dilation and biological oh. quantum entanglement at the DNA level. I can never remember if quantum entanglement is good or bad. I got to go back and watch those Marvel movies again. I, think- I love a scam that goes big. Like they don't have to do that, right? No, they could just say it's good vibes. Yeah. It, it gives you good vibes and that makes you healthy, but instead it's they've been like... ginseng in it. It makes you become a time lord. Well, they, they could have done what the guy from Nathan For You did, uh, well, whoever sold him that thing did, and say, hey, if you're within like two feet of this thing, you might feel nice. But instead they've you... said, you will become uh, an immortal from the Highlander. You can only be killed if someone <laughs> separates your head from your body. I mean, that is a sweet deal. Uh, Miss Grotowalska uh, told BBC News her company was the sole global distributor of the 5G BioShield, but it did not manufacture or own the product. We are in possession of a great deal of technical information with plenty of backup historical research, she said. As you can understand, we are not authorised to fully disclose all this sensitive information to third parties for obvious reasons. Of course not, and I wouldn't want you to. Uh, she rejected the suggestion selling a five-pound product for more than three hundred pounds was unreasonable. In regard to the cost analysis, how else am I going to get my three hundred pounds? <laughs> <laughs> it's very reasonable. I need a bigger TV. Uh, in regard to the cost analysis your research has produced, I believe that the lack of in-depth information will not drive you to the exact computation of our expenses and production costs, including the cost of IP rights and so on. She said. It is therefore hard to take your evaluation seriously since you have evidently not researched the background facts in any meaningful way. Damn. Uh, Mr. Hall said his remarks in Glastonbury Town Council's 5G Advisory Committee report should not be seen as a recommendation to buy the product. But he had no regrets about buying it and since plugging it in had felt beneficial effects including being able to sleep through the night and having more dreams. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> rules. <laughs> I also felt a calmer feel to the home, he told BBC News. And he had thought the company might be able to develop a system that could offer protection to the whole town of Glastonbury against the effects of radiation from electromagnetic fields. Oh, I assume you would tape a whole bunch of these together. <laughs> Into one super <laughs> USB stick. Yeah, Maybe, maybe you plug- can put them all on a, on a tower. Yeah, plug a whole know. bunch of them into a hub, you know? It's an anti-5G tower. Yeah. God uh, damn. I have to piss real bad. I'm so sorry. I think I'm going to die if I don't. <laughs> so we're going to take a little 30-second break here. I'll be right back. Okay. We'll just put some B audio here. Dun, 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 some uh, some audio dun, dun, from the B reel. Oh, oh my goodness. Okay, here yeah, it is. I'll, I'll play it now. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a B. B's bottoms are nowhere near that big. To be able to produce that kind of sound, you know? 
Huh? Biden straight up shit himself on camera. Oh, that's pretty good, huh? Big, wet, stinky fart for the old man. <laughs> that's all going to go great, isn't it? All of those like tweets that, that <clears throat> Trump's account is doing that just absolutely fucking nail Biden every time with zero effort whatsoever. God, it's it's so funny how absolutely fucked they are. Biden's like, my mask pro- projects leadership and they're all like, nice mask, pussy. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, all the, all the t-shirts that were like, you ain't the hashtag. You ain't black. This yeah. Oh, yeah. mama. Yeah. It's a bad. Time. And what timing too? What great timing. Yeah. Yeah. What with everything. Yep. And um, Amy Klobuchar is being vetted for the for the VP role, and she's come out to say, "Ah, oh, what a regretful officer involved killing." Yeah. Cool. Um, don't look any into his history or my history. You don't don't do that. You don't want to know about that. You don't want to know. I'm back. All right. Hey, hey. Oh god, that feels good. Okay, I got this. Uh, which hole right. did you piss out of? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously you might have some questions, you know, about the. No, none from me. All right. Well, I think we've covered all okay. the facts. Okay. Well, the listener might have some questions about okay. the mm-hmm. fuck. What's this even called? The BioShield 5G. I'm already the placing 5G my BioShield. The I'm 5G placing BioShield. my orders um, before the listener gets to hear about this, so that ideally they'll run out and I can like resell them at a profit. But as long as I've kept, you know, a good handful to tape together and protect my family. Oh, of course. Uh, I'm, not, well, I'm not an idiot. I don't have the a brain of a bee. Well, for the listener that might have some questions, uh, we've had a little look at the FAQ section of their website, and I think uh, <laughs> this will basically cover everything. So, first question okay. here. Can I just unplug it while the laptop is on without causing any damage, or do I need to shut it down first? And their answer, as the key contains files for education, it is indeed recommended to shut it down first. Oh, the education files. The education files. So you've got to make sure you do the safely eject thing because of the education files. Is the implication that you will stop receiving education if you don't shut it down properly? Because, I mean, or that the education files will be gone. I think they're just telling you not to corrupt the USB stick because I think there are actually some, like, PDFs and shit on there you can open up, which makes this even weirder to me. Uh, Does 5G BioShield USB key work with 3G, 4G, and Wi-Fi as well? The 5G BioShield is a full-spectrum protection from all harmful ionized and non-ionized radiation. It harmonizes all harmful mm. frequencies into life-affirming frequencies. Oh, that must explain why that guy was sleeping so good. Because they're life-affirming. I think it's life-affirmed. Having nice dreams. Does that mean you can't use Wi-Fi while you've got it plugged in? Oh, well, effectively... let me answer your question with another question and then okay. an answer to the question. <laughs> Does the highly f- unorthodox. <laughs> Usually you just do the answer, but no, this is fine. Uh, does the 5G BioShield USB key block Wi-Fi in the house? It doesn't block, it transmutes. Oh. It harmonizes all harmful frequencies into life-affirming frequencies. The intensity of radiation is not changed by our device, 
nor does it change the quality of connection and speed of data transfer. <laughs> so your Wi-Fi <laughs> won't be changed. It'll just be transmuted. Your ping so, will stay fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, b- I believe <laughs> your, your Wi-Fi will become uh, the spirit of the Holy Ghost. It'll become good Wi-Fi. Uh, does the thickness of the walls affect the function of 5G BioShield USB key? Of course not. Material does not matter. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's truly a <laughs> statement for the ages. I like that it's so adamant, as if they're sort of chastising themselves yeah, for asking themselves idiot. that question. Of course not. Do you have the brain of a bee? I think the walls can stop <laughs> this uh, USB key with a sticker on it. <laughs> Dipshit. Uh, how does one know the 5G BioShield USB key is on and working? It is always on and working. That's why we used quantum nanolayer technology. Oh, well, they've got us there. And here is the final question from the FAQ. Would the 5G BioShield affect in any way my husband's pacemaker? No. Will <laughs> will the will the 5G BioShield kill my vibe? Um <laughs> I, I I, feel like I've got to backtrack, okay? I've got to come back around and ask a question on a more basic level, which is, is the entire proposition here that merely possessing the 5G BioShield USB stick uh, just transforms all bad signals into good vibes? Yes, 100%. Yes. And that it's not actually kind of... It's it's not meant to be like um, broad. It's not like a Wi-Fi dongle. I guess that's what I'm asking. It's it's not yes. meant to like actually be doing anything. You just plug it in. It has some PDFs on it that say nice feelings, and then you imagine that something is happening, and you go to your meeting at the council and say we should all spend several hundred pounds on the make feel good stick. Yes. Okay. So they they stress as well that like you don't have to charge it up. Doesn't need to be regularly plugged in or anything like that. Well, they they also say that you can use it without it being connected to anything. So yeah, so plugging it in is only to extend the range. Otherwise, you can indefinitely keep it unplugged in your pocket and it will be fine. Pretty cool. Uh, I so you I sound unconvinced, Theo. To the so many of these like these scams that we've done lately with this and the um. Biocharger NG. Biocharger NG and the 5G, like, um, hysteria and, and stuff. Like, I just... There are a lot of complicated things out there, but EMF is not one of them. It's not like some mm-hmm. great mystery that has harmonized waves or good vibes or anything like that it's it's like it's one of the the natural phenomenon that's closest to like just basic maths that you can imagine there's there's not like there's not even that much you can make out of this like anybody with the very like briefest narrowest understanding of emf will understand, like, that all of this stuff is just bullshit, right? Like, the, the, like choose a different scam. I don't... Just... this. I mean, it's working for them. That, 
it's not that hard. I was going to say, here's my counter to this. Why choose a different scam if people are paying several hundred pounds for your USB stick it's, with a sticker no- on it? It's just wiggly air, guys. There's, <laughs> n- there's nothing to it. Spicy air. The, <laughs> the vibes are neither good nor bad. <laughs> so let's have a look. You know, it's easy for us to sit here and knock their well-researched science or whatever, but how about we see what the people actually think, the people that have used the project, the, the product. Uh, here are some, some reviews on the website, some testimonials. This one's from Chris. I would like to say that this is an incredible product. I noticed my field reaching coherence and eliminating the frantic energy. Most importantly, it has enabled me to access a higher vibration and help the pineal gland. I am more intentional and in touch with others on a non-verbal level. I think he's describing the plot of From Beyond, but in yeah, a nice way. I was about way. to say, got a, big, got a big From Beyond head here. Got a big Stuart Gordon fan in the house. Uh, where I live, there is Wi-Fi and 4G everywhere. And your BioShield is making it bearable. All of you who have developed this have done an incalculable service to humanity. Damn. Thank you, Chris. Incalculable service to humanity. Thank you for this USB stick. You are better than With Abraham child Lincoln. sticker on it. Uh, I don't he, know if um I don't know if selling something to people for hundreds and hundreds of dollars counts as an incalculable service. Hey, this sort of research uh, is feels free. quite calculable. How much do you think it costs to buy that many USB sticks? Barely anything. <laughs> Several uh, dollars. This is a testimonial from Natalie. Uh, I received the five G BioShield USB key, and it's beautiful. Hmm. I am so grateful for this technology. Thank you. It's beautiful. It's an embossed to... USB stick. I gotta look one of these up. I gotta actually see the product. It's Is got it some sort of uh, heraldic device Ooh. engraved on it. Uh, while you're looking that up, here's another testimonial from Daniela. I plugged the BioShield key in at work. There's a lot of extra spaces in here, and it seems to clear the energy of the place around my desk. One minute and a half after I plugged it. I felt something wrong disappeared in the air. The people I work with seems to be more happy and they laugh more. The ambience is more serene. You know what? I took a strong position at the start of the show and I would like to revise it. Uh, Bees are smarter than people. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, This last testimonial is from Tom. Tom says, I must say that my dreams have become very harmonic since I started to use the 5G BioShield. What does that even mean, Tom? Well, they're very harmonic. He's having a harm... No. So I was going to say... He's having dreams having harmonious about, the, dreams. about the pervert from Blues harmonic. Traveler? <laughs> yep. Now, I, I was expecting this to be just something like a, a, a small scam, right? But if you Google it, there is... Fucking... There's like hundreds of people talking about like buying this. Um, there's like blogs. There's testimonials. It's on, like, The Verge. This is... Pe- people are not doing so good with having thoughts that work. It's, uh, there's a lot of that going around, I feel. I'm not, in- I'm not enjoying this. Although their site, I think, is probably down because of possibly... High demand. <laughs> high demand. <laughs> That's reassuring. God. 
Well, hopefully you can find it from other retailers if you're absolutely fanging to have your dreams become harmonic. Oh, shit, they've cut the price. It's down to 283 uh, great bitten pounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, how much does that work out to in the the good old-fashioned Aussie dollar? Uh, It's got to be at least 900. Yeah. You can have that for the low, low price of $523.88. Oh. Uh, and the 88 is specific reference to the <laughs> racist thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's distressing. Mm, good scam mm. if you can pull it off, though. Yep. Uh, which they, they are. Because yeah. there's no law against this. And there never will be. Apparently, there's no law against selling people whatever the fuck they want to buy. And I'll buy you a rock. And I believe that that is all we have time for on this week's edition of Scam Watch. And also the entire episode. That's factual. That's something a bee wouldn't understand. That is but so I true. do. <laughs> uh, most of us officially smarter than bees. You heard it here first. Yep. You uh, wouldn't see a bee reading the first third of Ulysses. <laughs> when are you planning on doing those other two thirds? I figure at this pace, uh, 20, uh, what are we now? 2020. Yeah. Um, never. That's it, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to our bonus episodes, which I think we're going to keep free to the public for a little while longer at Ben's insistence because he's a big bleeding heart lefty. That's me, unlike all the other conservative people on this podcast. That's right. I'm going to put a taste of the good life. Yeah. Uh, So, thank you for tuning in if you're listening uh, just on the old free feed. Thank you for subscribing if you're listening on the patron feed. Uh, Thank you again if you're listening to both feeds and this is the second time you've heard the episode. Yeah, well done to you. Honestly, that's, that's an achievement. Yeah, and if it is sounding familiar at this point, uh, it's the same episode. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, you've taken too long to realize something has uh, gone wrong. You might have a bad case of bee brain. Sorry to hear about it. But hey, at least you understand zero and can do simple addition and subtraction. That's right. Uh, so thanks, folks, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. I have to piss real bad. I'm so sorry. I think I'm going to die if I don't. So we're going to take a little 30-second break here. I'll be right back.